Are you looking to really accelerate your personal growth? If so, go to my website and download the free Abundance Benchmark. It's going to give you some amazing feedback on where you're stuck in life. Again, it's totally free, and you can grab yours right now at MatthewBivens.com. Welcome to Having It All. My name is Matthew Bivens, and each week I bring you conversations and insights that explore the question, what does having it all mean to you? My goal is to leave you with stories you can relate to and messages you can take action on so that you can create an abundant, loving life. I am so excited that you're here to hang out with me today. Now, let's jump right into this episode. Today's episode is all about knowing your center. Or in other words, understanding the lens through which you see the world and where your morals and values come from and how important that is. And all of that was inspired by a conversation I had with my dad yesterday. So this whole topic that I'm going to be addressing today is super fresh. Uh, This was a, a conversation that I was pretty anxious going into, a little bit nervous, um, but it ended up being extraordinarily revealing. And it's something that I think a lot of you will be able to relate to, and that's why I want to get into it today. But before I jump into the meat of today's conversation, I just want to acknowledge uh, some folks for for reaching out. Um, I've been receiving emails from you, the listeners, and they're awesome. Uh, The most recent email I received uh, was was, um, a listener listened to the last episode published which was, who are you when no one is watching? And uh, DJ reached out to me to share some uh, situation he was going through and ask for some advice. And so DJ, I just wanted to shout you out on air. And I want to let everybody know that I love receiving your emails. Um, I love you know hearing what moved you in an episode, what inspired you, what you did not agree with, what you want feedback on. And so I totally encourage you to reach out to me, email me, um, I, I respond. I check my email constantly and I always get back. Um, I have a, a six-week-old baby girl right now, so sometimes it takes me a little bit longer than I normally would like, but um, I am getting to all of your emails. So um, you, can, you can reach out to me directly on my Gmail email address, which is mattcbivens at gmail.com. That's M-A-T-T-C-Bivens, B-I-V-E-N-S at gmail.com. And again, I I love receiving these emails, so please keep the feedback and commentary coming. Now, let's jump into today's topic because, like I said, it's super relevant for me. Um, It happened very recently, and it all stems uh, from a conversation I had with my dad. Um, But I will give you guys a little bit of background in case you're a new listener. Um, There's been some, uh, some family circumstances, I will say. Uh, A fight happened between my father and my sister and happened about six months ago, and they have not spoken since. And that's big in my family. That that is not something that we've ever experienced before, um, a prolonged period of silence. Um, You know, we're we're a family. So I have two sisters, both of them younger. Um, My mother and my father um, are divorced. They got divorced about 20 years ago. But they've always had a, an amicable relationship, and you know the, our family has been able to function uh, pretty smoothly. We, we get together on holidays, and you know in the past we would even vacation together and things like that. But this fight has really driven a wedge 
between uh, between the family. Um, on one side is my mom and my sisters, who feel you know a certain way about about the the fight, and on the other side is my dad, um, who feels you know the, who has his own opinions about it. And this was a pretty uh, pretty pretty big fight, I would say, at least in our family. Um, there was cuts, there was bruises, uh, there was punching and hitting and screaming. So it was a physical fight. And, uh, you know, to the point where the police were almost called. So it was that type of, no, excuse me, the police were called. Police were called, but charges were not filed. So, you know, we've never experienced anything like this in my family. And it's, it was pretty big, right? And so for six months, my father and my sisters have not spoken. And I have been the middleman of sorts. Um, and that's been a role that I have played for years, going back to when my parents were divorced and I would pass messages between my mom and dad being like, hey, you got to pay child support or hey, you need to do this or yada, yada. So I I guess I just like playing that role because I've done it for a while. But um, with this particular circumstance, I have been, you know, I've maintained a relationship with my father and I've also maintained a relationship with my sisters um, while they've sort of dropped their relationship with my father and it's, it's been a very interesting situation to be in, to say the least. So all of that is just the background that brings us to the conversation I had yesterday and why this podcast is all about centers. So my dad comes over to visit. Um, he lives in California. My wife and I live in Atlanta. And so he came over to visit and meet his, his new granddaughter. We have a little baby girl. She's six weeks old. Her name is Maya. And so he came yesterday to, to meet her, meet her for the first time. And I knew that I wanted to have a conversation with him during this trip. Um, I wanted to, to you know, have a live conversation. I don't see him very often. I see him probably twice a year. And so this was one of the opportunities I was going to have this year to actually see him face to face and to, to ask him how he was doing, how he was being with this, this family situation and how it was for him having not spoken to his daughters for five months. And so that's what we did. Yesterday, you know, he comes over and um, I created an opportunity for us to go walk through our neighborhood and go walk the dogs. And it was on this walk where, you know, he had nowhere to go and we were out, you know, in the quiet neighborhood that I just said, so dad, you know, how are you with the situation with Dana and Carrie? And he started talking and, you know, he was a little bit defensive with some of some of the things I was I was um, asking him, and um, I get it. I think that he may have felt attacked. Um, although my stance has always been, I'm not trying to tell anyone to do anything. I simply want to understand. I simply want to seek to understand. And so, you know, we we got into this conversation, and he was just opening up and sharing things with me. And he said something that just illuminated and 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 just pulled the you know, I don't know, shined a lot of light on why my dad has done what he has done throughout the entire time I've known him, the 30 years I've been around. He said, providing for my family financially is and has always been my number one priority. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So for my dad, being able to take care of us financially, you know, pay for our our school, pay for vehicles, buy clothes, pay for what vacations, all that stuff has always been his number one priority. And I knew that to an extent, right? I've always experienced my dad as a, a, a guy who just works his ass off. You know, my dad is a cosmetic surgeon, and ever since he started. 30 years ago, he's been going, going, going pretty much nonstop since. And, you know, he told me yesterday that he works six and a half days a week and he doesn't have much of a social life. He doesn't do much, you know, do much for himself. He's always working on his business, growing his practice, creating new deals, doing all sorts of stuff. And I've, I always felt that he was doing that for the family to an extent. Um, but I did feel like he was very family centered, but it wasn't until yesterday that I heard him say it, I heard him come out of his mouth and he said, my number one priority, not my number two, not my number three, you know, you can't really have a number two priority. So his number one priority, the, the most important thing for him has been able to provide for us financially. And what that meant and what that has meant for the past 30 years is that he has had his nose to the grindstone working, moving the family, opening practices, shutting some down, getting new partnerships, you know, working out of multiple cities, doing all these different things so that he could provide for us financially. Now, that was revealing to me in a number of ways. And I think the biggest was that I understand what his center is right now. And his center is, is very family-centered with like the lean towards financial, right? And like I said at the top of the episode, your center is the lens through which you see the world. You know, you, whatever your center is, that's going to influence your values. It's going to influence how you make decisions. It's going to influence what's important to you. And I thought it was so amazing that that was my dad's center, because it also influences how he wants to be loved and treated. And that's why this episode is sent, has to do with centers and love languages. So, if you've, so the concept of centers and the way that I'm describing it comes directly from a book I've mentioned dozens of times, and that's Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So I have a copy of it in front of me right now, and I'm going to be reading some stuff from this book, but you know that's where the center's idea comes from, and the love languages comes from a book. Um, I think the Gary Chapman and uh, Gary Chapman is the author, and the book is called The Five Love Languages. And basically, in in the in the book, um, Gary Chapman outlines five unique ways that people express love and want to be loved, and those are the five love languages. And so. What my conversation with my dad revealed 
it revealed what his center was and it revealed how he wanted to be loved. And the fascinating part about this and, and the big kicker for me was that he is not receiving love in the way that he wants to be loved. He's not receiving love from his kids, specifically right now from, from his daughters, in the way that he wants to be loved. Therefore, he views them as ungrateful, as, as spiteful, as all these different things, all these different ways that he perceives them because he's not receiving love in his love language. And his love language is influenced by his center. And what is so amazing about that is my sisters, because I have a relationship with them, our relationship with them has, has really grown and strengthened through, you know, over the past six months since all this shit went down. I know that they are and have been, at least in the past when they were talking to my dad, they were loving on him. They were showing him love and pouring love onto him in the way that they knew how to love and in the way that they wanted to be loved themselves. So you've got one party, my sisters, who are loving on my dad a certain way. You have another party, my dad, who, can, who, who only recognizes and acknowledges love coming in a certain way. And what you have is basically a disconnect. My sisters are saying, we are loving on you like this. This is what we're doing and we're not being acknowledged. And my dad is saying, I'm loving on you all this way. This is what I'm doing and I'm not being acknowledged. And now both parties are pissed. And I just thought, damn, this, my family is not unique in this situation with, with these centers and love languages. And this applies to so many families and even, even bigger than families, just relationships in general. You know, like, I want you to think about this. You know, you listening right now, think about some of the, the primary relationships in your life. You know, pick a parents, maybe a spouse, um, a, a boyfriend or girlfriend, um, a, a, a sibling. And think about all the ways that you might be loving on them and whether or not you are feeling the love coming back. Right? Do you feel like you are putting out more than you're receiving? Because that's what's happening in my family. And that's what's happened in relationships that I've been in in the past. And what's so interesting about it is it's not that, I think most of the time, it's not that the other party isn't, isn't loving you back. You, they're just different love languages. And those love languages are, are being influenced by the centers. And so if you understand a person's center and you take the time to ask them and learn their love language then you can avoid this whole shitstorm that happens when people are, are loving each other in ways that they, they want to be loved and not feeling like they're receiving any love coming back. So that's the big stuff that's going on. And so what I want to do now is um, I've got seven habits in front of me, and I want to read a couple things for you because this is very, very interesting. And when I was reading this before hitting record, I was like, damn, that, that describes the parent-child dynamic going on right now in my family. And so what I'm going to read to you is a passage from Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, in my book, this is on page 112. Uh, I don't know if uh, maybe your book, if you have a copy of it, it might be a different page. But this is 
page 112. I'm on habit number two. And uh, I'm just going to read a little bit about what it means to be family-centered. Because that's clearly what my, my father is right now, family-centered. And like I said, family-centered, that kind of leans towards, you know, providing financially. So it says... Family-centered parents do not have the emotional freedom, the power, to raise their children with their ultimate welfare truly in mind. If they derive their own security from the family, their need to be popular with their children may override the importance of a long-term investment in their children's growth and development. Or they may be focused on the proper and correct behavior of the moment. Any behavior that they consider improper threatens their security. Hmm, it's kind of interesting. The whole fight that started with my dad and sister started because my father perceived my sister's behavior as being improper. Back to reading. They become upset, guided by the emotions of the moment, spontaneously reacting to the immediate concern rather than the long-term growth and development of the child. They may yell or scream. They may overreact and punish out of bad temper. They tend to love their children conditionally, making them emotionally dependent or counterdependent and rebellious. So I read that and I thought, damn, damn, that describes what, how, I, how I experienced them. Um, any behavior that they consider improper threatens their security. I mean, in my conversation with my dad yesterday, there was a, a number of times when he was essentially saying that, listen, the way that the girls are responding and reacting is improper. It's improper. And it, was, it seemed very threatening to his sense of what family was. You know, and, and it goes back to how he was raised. It goes back to the scripting that happened with him. It goes back to the different beliefs about what a parent-child dynamic is supposed to look like. And all of this stuff influenced what went down five or six months ago and what has happened ever since. Or in a lot of, in many ways, hasn't happened. So I thought that was very powerful. And I'm going to skip forward to another section in Seven Habits where Covey goes into these centers a little bit more. And Covey says that your centers are going to provide four things to you. They're going to provide your sense of security, your guidance, your wisdom, and your power. So if you are family-centered, then your security is founded on family acceptance and fulfilling family expectations. That last part, fulfilling family expectations, I think describes my dad to a T in this situation. You know, it's his expectation that he must provide for his family. So at times when he was able to provide adequately for his family, he felt great about himself. But at times when he wasn't able to provide adequately, when, when his business wasn't going well, when his practice was down, when he was rebuilding, he felt shitty about himself. And that's because his sense of security and in many ways his sense of self-worth was tied up in his family and whether or not things within the family were flowing smoothly. So if you are family-centered, your sense of personal security is as volatile as the family. And man, my family has experienced some volatility lately. If you are family-centered, your feelings of self-worth are based on family reputation. 
Hmm. Now that reputation could be within the extended family. So, you know, my dad's sisters, so my aunts, my grandma, the way that they perceive our our nuclear family probably impacts how my dad feels because he's very family centered. And again, this is my dad telling me that he was very family centered. I'm I wasn't I'm not assuming or passing judgment or anything. He told this to me. So when he told this to me, I my first thought was, ooh, I'm interested to see what that what that means being family centered, what the consequences of that are. And what's really great is that my dad is the one who introduced me to the seven habits. He's the one who who showed me the book and bought it for me years ago. I think I was in high school when he bought this book for me. So I'm just using the tools that he handed to me to reveal all these different things about what it means to be family-centered. So if you are family-centered, then family scripting is your source of correct attitudes and behaviors. If you are family-centered, your decision-making criterion is what is good for the family or what family members want. Again, that describes the situation pretty accurately. Let's look at the last one, and it's power. So if you are family-centered, your actions are limited by family models and traditions. So again, that one doesn't necessarily, I don't think it, it resonates as powerfully, but those first few, man, that security one, your feelings of self-worth are based on family reputation. Your sense of personal security is as volatile as the family. Your security is founded on family acceptance and fulfilling family expectations. I don't know about you, but that sits pretty powerfully with me. And like I said, that's a consequence of being family-centered. I use the word consequence simply to mean a result. You know, consequence does not mean anything good or bad. And, you know, I tend to try to avoid those words. I think those are judgment words. And, uh, you know, when you judge different things, you become attached to them. So I'm not interested in becoming attached to whether something is good or something is bad. I just want to look at what is. So... Again, and, and being family-centered, you know, that's, that is what it is. I'm not saying that one is better than the other. And there's a lot of different centers. If you, uh, if you pick up, let me go back to that page in Seven Habits. Um, Covey talks about being, let's see, spouse-centered, family-centered, money-centered, work-centered, possession-centered, pleasure-centered, friend-centered, enemy-centered, church-centered, self-centered. And then eventually he lands on being principally centered is the most powerful of all of those and the one that is going to lead to the most um, effective and healthy and sustainable form of living. So, you know, that's what Covey's argument is, um, that being principally centered is, is the way to go. And again, I'm not saying that anyone's better than the other. I'm just saying that in my family and with my father specifically, being family-centered has a lot of very interesting consequences. And so, like I said, understanding my dad's center helps to shine a little bit of light on his love language. And so I'm going to shift gears a little bit and talk about the five love languages. Now, again, like I said, the five love languages, it essentially just talks about five ways that people want to be loved. And in turn, this is frequently how these people will love others. So the five love languages are receiving gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, 
and physical touch. So this book says that you most likely have one of these things as your the number one way that you would like to be loved. And there's actually a quiz on the website, and I'll, I'll make a note to put a link of that in the show notes. And uh, you guys can go and take this quiz and see what your love languages are. And I've taken the quiz a couple of times, and I actually took it one time and then waited 10 minutes and took it again. And I got different love languages. So, you know, I think it may, it's not, not a scientific thing, but it does provide a little bit of, of um, understanding as to what, how you like to be loved. And so, you know, for me, I think physical touch, quality time, those are huge for me. Um, receiving gifts, I mean, I, I love receiving gifts, specifically, well, not specifically, but especially food. I love food gifts. And so whenever people gift me with like a gift card to a restaurant or buy me lunch or buy me dinner, it's, it's huge for me. And um, I didn't really know that until I spent some time going through my love languages and until I became aware and started to just recognize like how I felt when somebody would gift me with food. Um, so it's, it's this, this is a really helpful thing just to, to understand more about yourself. And how this applies to my family situation is that, you know, again, my dad is very family-centered and he, his, his sense of self-worth within the family is derived from being able to provide for us financially so that's what he wants to do. He's like, I want, I'm going to love you by working my ass off and being able to provide financially. So you're, all your needs are taken care of. You know, you don't have to worry about where your school tuition's coming from. You know, we'll get to go on fun vacations. You're going to have a roof over your head. You're going to have clothing. I'm going to help you purchase cars. I'm going to help you in emergency situations. That's how my dad is loving on us kids. In return... The way that he wants to be loved very, very strongly is in words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. And specifically what he told me yesterday was that he would love to, to feel gratitude coming from his kids and the people that he pours his specific brand of love on. So in his mind, he's, he's I'm loving on you by providing for you financially. I would like to be loved to come back to me in the form of words of affirmation. You know, my dad doesn't necessarily, I mean, he might, he might enjoy receiving gifts, um, acts of service he might enjoy as well, physical touch. I do know that he really enjoys quality time, and he's expressed that by saying that he wished that us kids would go out and visit him more as opposed to he always hopping on a plane and flying over to the East Coast to visit us. But what I heard from him, him yesterday was that, you know, I don't feel like your sisters are very grateful. I haven't, I haven't experienced them as saying thank you for all of the things that he's done for them, financially speaking. And that just, man, that's so, so interesting because I know that my sisters, up until the, whole, the fight went down, like they were loving on him in their own way. You know, like they may have, have been loving on him by sending him gifts. Or, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it was quality time in, in different ways. But he was receiving those things, but they weren't connecting. He wasn't connecting it internally and emotionally and feeling like, yeah, that's my family loving on me. 
And if you just think about that for your own life, think about how profound that truly is. You know, are you loving on your spouse the way that they want to be loved on? And if not, are you noticing that perhaps your efforts are going unappreciated? If you're feeling underappreciated in your relationship, I would say there's a, there's a, there's a great chance that there's a conflict, or not a conflict, there's a disconnect within love languages. And so I think it would be a fantastic exercise for you. This is for, just for you, for, for you listening, to understand what your center is. Get very clear on what your center is and perhaps read through some of the potential results of being you know, work-centered or family-centered or spouse-centered, whatever it is. So understand what your center is so that, okay, I know that this is how I view things. This is where my model of, of right and wrong, right? Like my values and morals come from. Okay, I'm family-centered. Okay, got it. I'm cool with that. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Now, and the, the other half of that is what are your what's your love language? List your love languages in priority. So understand how you want to be loved. Because once you understand how you want to be loved, you can communicate that to the other person. You can say, boyfriend of mine, I, I really appreciate the gifts that you give me all the time. You know, I, I appreciate that you, you like to buy me clothes. I appreciate that you, that you like to take me out to fancy restaurants. I appreciate that. I would like for you to know that my top love language is words of affirmation. My number two love language is physical touch. And so I'm receiving what you're giving me, but I want you to know that it would be received more powerfully and I would really, really feel it if it were in the love languages that I speak. And what are your love languages, boyfriend of mine? I would love to understand your love languages so that I can speak your love languages and you can feel truly loved by me. I mean, this thing works powerfully when both parties are invested in it, you know? When both parties want to understand how the other person wants to be loved on. And then you say, oh, okay, awesome. Now I know, all right? Now I can, I can work on expressing my love to you in the way that will truly connect with you, not simply in the way that I want to be loved because that's what we do most of the time. I remember when you know, I, I dated a girl before, um, before my wife, and we dated for four years. And I remember so many times feeling frustrated because I would be loving on her and loving on her and loving on her and not feeling as if she was receiving it and appreciating it. And the reason was because I was loving on her in the way that I wanted to be loved on. I wanted to receive gifts. I wanted to receive words of affirmation. So I was doing that to her. She didn't want that. She wanted quality time. 
She wanted physical touch. You know, I, I didn't know that at the time. All I knew was how I wanted to be loved on. And this was before the fi- I ever was introduced to the five love languages. So I wasn't even I wasn't even up to speed on that. I just knew that, OK, you know, I, words of affirmation work for me. So I'm assuming they're going to work for her. But man, we had so many, so many moments of conflict when, you know, I would express not feeling the gratitude coming from her and she would express not feeling the love coming from me. And I'd be like, what the fuck? I've been loving on you all the time. Can't, you know, and I would be able to list off. I did this. I did this. I did this. What are you talking about? I'm not loving on you. And she's, yeah, but I'm just not feeling, I'm not feeling it. And like, I mean, shoot, if you can, if you can relate, like, I don't know, throw your hand up or something, clap for me right now. But that shit happened for me all the time, all the time. And had I only known of the five love languages, and maybe if I was a little bit more mature, I would have been able to say, oh, wow, okay. I'm loving on you in the way that I want to be loved on, not the way that you want to be loved on. Like, think about, okay, let's put it in terms of an actual language, right? So I'm rolling up to my girlfriend and and I'm speaking Mandarin. I'm speaking Mandarin to her and I'm telling all these amazing things in Mandarin, but she only speaks Spanish. In this case, she did speak Spanish, so it works. Right? So I'm talking Mandarin and she's talking Spanish and not, neither of us is understanding what the hell the other person's saying. Like that's what's going on in relationships. And it's not romantic, not just romantic relationships. I mean, the example that I'm the big example in this episode is is a father and daughter. So it's within families. It's with friends. It's with siblings. My sisters have their own love language. And if I truly want to become a more, you know, create more effective uh, communication and more more powerful relationship with them, I ought to learn their love language. Right? Because who knows? Maybe. Maybe I'm speaking Thai and they speak German, right? Like, you don't know. And I don't know about you, but I would much rather have that understanding and then be able to, to give them what they want than walk around like a dummy just mad because they're not, they're not, they're not being grateful, right? And, and that's sort of what my dad's doing, like, He's not receiving love in his love language, so now he feels hurt. Now he's feeling wronged. Now he's feeling like, okay, the girls are not appreciative. They're spoiled brats. And you know what? I'm not going to reach out to them. That's how family members go five months without talking to one another. Like, there's a part of me that just thinks that's so fucking dumb. With, with, like, I've interviewed people on this show. I've had folks on this show who have no family, who have no blood family, whose parents, whose siblings have died. And my family right now is not talking because we don't understand each other's love languages and because our egos are in the way and people are so, so rooted in their rightness that they are just are not going to budge. And it's just that who's going to blink first? Right. Ego versus ego. Who's going to blink first? And, you know, it, it, it's disappointing to me in a lot of ways. And I, I want baby Maya to be able to. And I've said this a few times to both to all parties involved. 
I would love for baby Maya to be able to have a Christmas photo of her first Christmas with her entire family. With her, her, her mom, her dad, her grandma, her grandpa, and her two aunts, all in one photo. But as it stands right now, it does not look like that will happen because four of those people do not want to be in the same room as each other. And, you know, if you understood each other's centers, if you understood each other's love languages, I'm not saying it fixes everything. I'm not saying it heals physical scars. But it's a hell of a great start. And if you're, if you, if you're in a family situation or a friend situation or a partner situation similar to mine, like, how long are you going to go? How long are you going to sit in your rightness? How long are you going to say, no, they need to come to me. They need to apologize. They need to, to atone for what they did. They need to come and beg my forgiveness. How long are you going to let your ego stand in the way of, of love? Mm, that's really what it is. How long are you going to choose fear over love? It takes courage to choose love. In this situation, it would take courage and humility on the part of my dad or my sisters to say, you know what? This isn't worth it. I'm going to own my role in creating what went down. I'm going to acknowledge the part that I played. And I'm going to go and, you know, cross the line, step, step into the enemy territory and say, let's make things better. Let's squash this. That shit takes courage. You know, you have to have some cojones to do that. But the reward is so amazing. I mean, my dad was telling me that like I could see it in his face that this this not talking to his daughters is just it's like a poison inside of him. It's like a cancer. And you know what? I the, from from what I the what I believe, I believe consciousness creates. I believe everything is energy, right? I believe that the things that we experience in our bodies are the result of the the limiting beliefs, the disempowering beliefs and the fears that we hold on and the fears that we circulate through our bodies and through our minds and our thoughts, I believe that those things show up. They physically manifest in our bodies. Right now, my family is setting themselves up to create some scary shit in their bodies, to create some diseases, to create some cancers, to create some physical breakdowns because they're holding this stuff in. They're holding in the fear. They're holding in the judgment. And so, and, and, and you know, I'm not immune to this stuff either. I get to sit here every week on the podcast and talk about all these principles and empowering things and, you know, this personal development stuff. And, and it might seem like I'm the one just sharing this wisdom and that I, I don't struggle with it. But, I mean, shit, I, I go through the judgments. I go through the fear, you know, and it's just I, I feel like I have been exposed to tools and mentors and new ways of thinking, and, I, I, and awareness, awareness about myself, that I understand what, how I feel 
emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, when I choose fear. And I hate that feeling. I love the feeling of choosing love, of being courageous, of making myself vulnerable, and then going through the other side of whatever it was that I was feeling uncomfortable about. The feeling of stepping into a fear and surviving and coming out the other end is so sweet. And that's why I continue to choose it. So this episode has been all about knowing your center and understanding your love language and the love language and centers of the people who are important in your life. And I really do hope that the example with my family can, uh, you know, I hope it resonates with some of you. Um, I truly believe that there's somebody out there who's experiencing exactly what we are going through right now. And so I know that it will connect with you. But I also know that there's folks out there who are just experiencing a disconnect in a relationship in general with a spouse, a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, with a brother, with a sister, with a mother, with a father, with a best friend. Things aren't flowing the way that you want them to. And knowing their center and their love language will help. And so I hope that you, you check out the resources from this episode. Go check out The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey. Turn to chapter two, which is, or turn to habit two, begin with the end in mind, and go read about centers. And then go check out The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman and read about the five love languages and check out the link in the show notes for this episode where you can take the quiz to uncover your love language. And I encourage you, I challenge you, I challenge you to do this with somebody significant in your life whose love language you want to understand. Do it together with them. Pull it up on your phone. Grab a couple computers. Sit down next to one another. Do the quizzes. And then talk about what it means to you. If your love language is quality time, share with that person what that really means. Quality time to me looks like we take an afternoon one time a week to go and have lunch. If we can do that, I will feel loved in my quality time. If we can't do that, then let's come up with some other way that we can spend quality time together because that's important to me. Have that type of conversation Have the courage, right? The courage to have that type of conversation. And I guarantee you, you will experience more rich relationships in your life. So if this episode resonated with you, again, email me. Tell me about it. Tell me about the situation going on in your family or with your spouse or with your friends where you're feeling that major disconnect and understanding centers and love languages could help. Or if you know your center... Tell me about it. Whatever your center is, I don't care. I want to hear about it. I want to hear why that's your center, why it's important to you. Same with love languages. If you know what your love language is, tell me about it. I want to hear why that's your love language and why it's important to you. It helps me. It totally helps me when I hear why, the whys of other people. And let me know in your email if you're cool with me reading your email on my next podcast. I would love to do that because when you have breakthroughs and when you have aha moments and when you have powerful insights and, 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 and when you experience the wisdom of the universe, 
it needs to be shared because other people can connect with it and you never know how you're going to impact another person. So share those things with me. My email address is mattcbivens at gmail.com, M-A-T-T-C-B-I-V-E-N-S at gmail.com. I cannot wait to receive your emails. And with that, my name is Matthew Bivens, and here is to you having it all. Two quick things before you leave. First, did you know that the Having It All podcast is a part of the Fireside Network? Yep, we are one of the esteemed shows that calls Fireside Network home. That means if you ever want to listen to a show outside of iTunes or Stitcher or whatever your favorite podcasting app is, all you need to do is visit firesidenetwork.com and under shows, select Having It All. From there, you can access all the episodes, see the show notes, learn about my guests, and more. Second, I am very excited to announce that my brand new website is live. Visit MatthewBivens.com and you can learn more about me, get plugged into an accountability group, and pick up some free content like the Abundance Benchmark. I am all about helping you not only identify what your ideal life looks like, but also helping you on your journey towards it. I want you to experience more abundance and love in your life. So again, you can find out more information about all of that great stuff at MatthewBivens.com. Thank you once more for listening to the show. And here is to you having it all. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved, Dadages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.